Hey everybody, welcome to Hit Rewind. This episode will be the comic books of 1991. I'm Michael. John's on the other side. Hi, I'm John. <laughs> um, so what we do is uh, we kind of separate. He does Marvel, I do DC and Independent. Uh, so as usual, we always start off with Marvel because that's what kids are crazy for. This is not exactly the peak DC time, I would say, which is weird because the Batman movie just come out, but no one ever talks about the stories from this time period. Yeah, I, I'm having a hard time remembering what exactly came, what exactly was happening in '91 at that time. But uh, for Marvel, on the other hand, lots of memorable stuff. Like, how about uh, Marvel Comics presents issues 72 through 84, which is also known as Weapon X. I remember, like, they really stretched this. Kids don't know what uh, Marvel Comics presents. Uh, or Showcase, which is the DC version of this, is they took one major hero, broke up a story over a long period of time, and then they would feed in like three or four other sub-stories from characters that weren't as popular. It was kind of like a testing ground, not just for the characters, but for the artists uh, uh, behind them as well. Yeah, because you, you would have like, oh, here's your main story, and here's a little bit of a backup. And in the case of this one... Uh, we are given effectively the first origin story for Wolverine. After a decade, I mean, it's so normal now, but for decades, we really didn't know much about his past. Yeah, it's like we knew that he had uh, that he had these claws that came out of his hands, and that he had metal bones. And any time they would attempt to try and like go into his past, it would always be something that. Oh no, that's a that's a fake memory. Oh, that's not real, and you would only kind of get these little hints and and bits about this, but you would never know exactly, you know, how did Wolverine become Wolverine? And this was one of the first major pieces, which was Wolverine basically uh, Logan at the time got uh, gets knocked out, dragged to a. Uh, uh, mad scientist facility and is injected with uh with adamantium that for some reason decided to just hang out in his in his upper wrists and became claws because <laughs> that's how science works right yeah also back then adman adamantium did i say it right Adam adamantium Adam adamantium fuck um is it wasn't as common it was still kind of like, ooh, what's this new thing they've introduced in the comics? Now it seems like they're like 35, 40 years, whatever. It's like they're, they're, they're everywhere. Well, at this point, every really, in starting with 91, everybody started having adamantium. So it's this is kind of where this began, really. But, but Barry, you know, it's like this is uh, written and art by Barry Windsor Smith. And, oh, my God, the art in this is so good. Like... It's, it is body horror creepy. At yeah, times. I'm not a Barry Windsor Smith fan. I, I mean, I he had his good Conan run, but after that, I just I, I don't really care for it. But to each their own. Yeah. Well, again, this is truly one of the most essential Wolverine stories. Even if you don't particularly like this character, uh, this is definitely one that. You sit there and go, oh, okay, I can't understand why people like this because there's a lot of it. He is, while he is the main character of it, 
he's not the focus of it really it's really all about these scientists screwing or you know playing god with this with this guy right and trying to turn him into a weapon and basically his him basically shutting down and just turning into an animal and it is slightly left vaguely open which then you know basically there's characters that that uh, were in this that end up showing up many times in both Wolverine and then his clones uh, later life all all based around this the Weapon X program yeah and this is of course the architecture structure or whatever of uh, the Origins movie with Wolverine yes yeah all that stuff all that stuff that they do in that lab there is all based around this comic now, Amazing Spider-Man number 344. This is the first appearance of the anti-hero Cardiac. Okay, Cardiac? Um, oh my god, I did not expect you to say Cardiac. I thought you were going to say Carnage. Uh, nope. <laughs> wow, I love... See, this, this, is my, this is my area of expertise with Marvel during this era because um, Spider-Man was my jam. In fact, I met Randy Emberlin, one of the guys who co-created Cardiac, and we talked about it and how I missed that character, and uh, he uh, signed a photo for me, and I thought that was pretty cool. Well, he does, he actually shows up, technically he shows up two uh, episodes, issues earlier, but uh, he actually shows up in the suit in this issue. But, actually I'm kidding a little bit, Uh, Cardiac is in this issue, but this is actually the debut of Cletus Cassidy. Okay. The, uh, who will then, a couple of issues later, become Carnage. You're fucking he with is... my heart here, buddy. You're fucking with my heart. You know how much I hate Carnage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's he is Eddie Brock, uh, Venom, uh, his serial killer cellmate, who... Actually, it's I, th- I think it takes about a year between this debut and him actually showing up as Carnage. Yeah. But... I, uh, by the way, I watched that movie, and um, I didn't hate it. I actually thought Woody Harrelson's performance was a lot of fun, and the movie was better than the first one, I think, because it didn't feel as generic. It was like a weird buddy comedy. Well, they had a, they had a lot of that introductory stuff out of the way so they could just get with the, uh, the buddy romance between uh, uh, what's-his-name and himself. I can't think of who plays Eddie Brock for some uh, reason. Oh, uh, yeah, I can't Mad remember. Mad Max. Y'all. Yeah, Mad oh, Max. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, it's going to bounce in my head like an hour from now. Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy, thank you. Thank you. Okay. This is this is going to be a very X-Men oriented thing because 91 was a very big year for all for X-Men stuff. So, uh, New Mutants 98 is the introduction of everybody's favorite Marvel character. Gideon. <laughs> okay, okay. No, I'm, I'm, I'm joking around. It's actually Domino. Domino shows up in this one. You know, she was, you know, played by Zazie Beetz in that movie that came out some time ago. And I guess Copycat debuts in this issue, too, because she is actually masquerading as Domino. But we don't know that yet. Oh, I didn't know that until now. But then again, there's also some guy who is you know, like in a shitty uh, Spider-Man rip-off costume. Uh, Dead Lake or dead ocean or something, something like that. that is this where we get uh shatter star as well no shatter no hold on no shatter star comes in later i think he's in uh x-force number one oh, okay or either that or else he's like like in issue 100 of 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 this run but uh no D- uh deadpool shows up in this issue it's his first thing uh you know it's 
he was a character that basically was just a ripoff of Deathstroke from uh, DC and ultimately became kind of, you know, kind of a big thing. Mainly because people who kind of took Rob Liefeld's, he's just a, basically Spider-Man, but a bad guy and turn him into, oh no, he's basically just flat out batshit insane. Yeah, you give and, that to Joe Kelly though. That has yeah, Rob Liefeld fucking nothing Joe, to do with that. It's all Joe Kelly right there. Yeah, Joe Kelly and Mark Wade. Uh, Mark Wade? Is that the run after that? I don't remember who did it after that, but it was... Oh, well, actually, no, probably, probably been uh, Fabian Nicieza, because that would have been... Yeah, it was... Uh, I know... I, know um, well, I just had the name, damn it. The artist on that. <laughs> Shit, go ahead. Well, yeah, there's, Ed there's another run. Ed McGinnis. Yeah. But yeah, so that's the... New Mutants 98, but then also speaking of New Mutants, as kind of I started mentioning, this is also kind of where the New Mutants end, uh, their run ends with issue 100. And it was, you know, Rob Liefeld takes over when he relaunches it as X-Force. Thankfully, he's only on it for a short time. And then one of my favorite X-Writers actually pops up, and that's Fabian Nicieza. Uh... You know, you got uh, X Force, and at this time, New Mutants was being spearheaded by Cable, the future uh, future Messiah character that, uh, at this point, is just gruff, angry old man who yells at clouds. <laughs> and Cable ultimately, as soon as Rob Liefeld leaves, and they kind of tie up a lot of the stupid shit with Strife, they bring him back and actually turn him into an interesting character. Also becomes somewhat well-rounded and interesting, and you know, not just I'm an angry old bastard <laughs> with pouches. With yes, with hundreds and hundreds of pouches, those sadly almost never go away. And what could fit in there anyway, really? But uh, yeah, so X Force was the idea of this one was instead of being oh we're just here to save the world from you know bad guys and whatnot. It was actually supposed to be like a more proactive thing where they would strike first at their enemies and ah we're we're the bad guy good guy team and yeah it it surprisingly isn't as bad as you would think it would be but it take again it takes a little while for it to for that series to actually kind of figure itself out now we also get Chris Claremont's final big crossover with the X-Men, which was the Mirror Island saga. Yeah. Where he's basically pulling all these threads that he'd been uh, lying together for, you know, for years. Because he'd been kind of even teasing up the, uh, oh, God, what is it? Uh, the Shadow King as, like, this huge foe that they were going to ultimately have to fight because he was effectively a uh, a mutant on the level of Charles Xavier. He was like the first mutant that Charles Xavier re ever really ran into and he was stopped by Xavier and has been kind of in the background trying to get out of uh, the little you know prison that he was trapped in and over the course of the time we've seen little bits and pieces of characters not exactly acting the way they should and it's been kind of growing a little bit and little bit and finally it all kind of comes to a head where you have the X-Men finally regaining themselves together after being scattered 
uh, for the last couple of issues. Yeah, well, yeah, Fall of the Mutants, what what stretched them apart, I think, right? No, no, that was, uh, it was after Fall of the Mutants, because oh. it was the stuff with the Siege Perilous and all that. Okay. But, uh, yeah, basically, you know, you had, like, Psylocke being turned into an Asian ninja. <laughs> I don't had... <laughs> Oh, yeah, uh, you had... Uh... Oh, wait, Psylocke, sorry, I think it's the Cyclops. Yeah. I was like, Storm. what? <laughs> yeah, you know, Storm uh, becoming a child and then re- becoming an adult again. Uh, so we've already had the uh, the introduction of Gambit. Yeah, Gambit shows up in this year too. I, he's down. The, I think he's, I'd bring him up a little bit later in my notes, maybe. No, I think I've mentioned him yes last time. Whichever. Yeah. Anyway, it's basically all these things get together and they they end up fighting the Shadow King, and this has been effectively the the last main story that Chris Claremont writes because they relaunch X-Men uh, with Jim Lee on art and three issues in Chris Claremont leaves because <laughs> he was really he was done with uh, the line editor Bob Harris he was done with the creative differences between him and and that and you know, he was pissed off that they wanted to bring Magneto back as as a mustache twirling villain. Oh, that was because... so stupid. Yeah, this is when they introduced the blue and gold team, right? Yeah. Yeah. Million well, yeah. copies sold. Because they had 8 billion X Men characters at this point. So, yeah, you had to you had to find a way to divide them. And for a while, it was like X Men was the blue team and Uncanny X Men was the gold team, I think. It might, yeah. might be the other way around. Whatever, yeah. But it effectively would follow each of these things. But after a while, it just became you had to read both books in order to actually understand what the hell is going on because <sighs> comics. But, you know, X-Men Volume 2, number one, was one of the biggest. I think it's still. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it still is. All time. You know, and it doesn't help that there were five covers to it. Yeah, and speculative market. Yeah, it, it's everything about that. Uh, this is really kind of where I really started reading X-Men was around this time. So so these, you know, so like this team, you know, the Jean Grey, Cyclops, Storm, Bishop, Gambit, Rogue, Archangel, Psylocke, Wolverine, Jubilee, cast. Yeah, well, is this really... is, that's the group that became the cartoon, right? Except I don't remember Bishop if he was in it or not. Bishop, Bishop was in the cartoon. Okay. Uh, Archangel, Psylocke, and... Uh, we're, we're in and out every now and then, but yeah, effectively this was this was what uh, I, I knew of the X-Men for the longest time. But along with X-Men getting its relaunch, X-Factor, which was the the uh, comic series that was about the original five X-Men, well now they're just back in the core team, what to do with that title? Well hey, let's grab some of our uh, your tertiary characters and throw them on a team. <laughs> and Guido, come on, big guy. <laughs> Dude, st- yeah, a strong guy, multiple men, Havoc, Polaris, Wolfsbane, and Quicksilver. And they end up uh, being this government-sponsored mutant team yeah. that's going out to stop, you know, to stop the bad guys. I didn't particularly care for the art, but I thought Peter David's uh, writing was great. Oh, there's some, there's some great stuff, especially the issue where I think it's right after... Uh, extinction agenda, I think it is, uh, where they have to go to therapy. And uh, the entire thing where you get Quicksilver uh, basically explaining why he's an asshole 
by basically saying, you know, imagine that you're in line at an ATM and the guy ahead of you is moving at a snail's pace and doesn't seem to know what the hell they're doing. That's what it's like for me with everybody. And it's just like going, you know what? That makes sense. If, yep. <laughs> you, if you move that fast, everything around you would be an inconvenience because no one is at literally at your level. But uh, this team is is run by a woman named Valerie Cooper, who, can you guess who she's canonically the uh, sister or cousin of? No. Agent Dale Cooper from Twin Peaks. What? What? Yeah, she, yep. She How? actually mentioned... She mentions that her like her brother, cousin, whichever, is dealing with something. I think it was up in Washington. It's like a throwaway line that just says, oh, yeah, she's that's my brother or whatever. Which is also weird because I think in New Mutants or something, they're watching Twin Peaks like it's a TV show. Huh, weird. So I'm wondering if Twin Peaks is a reality show or something in that universe. But uh, we made a mention of him, but uh, Lucas Bishop also makes his debut this year. Bishop's this time traveler from the dystopian, uh, from a dystopian future where mutants are all in uh, internment camps. He ends up, he ends up becoming a uh, member of the Ex- Xavier Security Enforcers, basically future cops. I remember those, yeah. And he uh, basically gets stuck in the past after chasing a bad guy, and basically has knowledge that at some point in the future the expansion's going to get blown up and there's a traitor amongst the x-men and he will eventually stop it and it's always alluded to be gambit until they decided to shoehorn that plot line into onslaught hmm this sounds familiar it's something i'm going to cover in dc this year <laughs> yeah yeah it's uh now i will say this he is the only change to the uh, uh, Days of Future Past storyline that I actually like because they, in the movie version, they do it as Wolverine because fucking movie and Hugh Jackman is is ripped, so we need to make sure he gets to take off his shirt as often as possible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, in the comics, it's Kitty Pride, which made sense because she was the new character at the time. In the cartoon, it was Bishop. And it kind of made sense to have a time traveler character go back in time to try and stop the past from being changed. So, Bishop, I feel they did him wrong at one point, and we'll eventually get to that storyline. But he becomes a he becomes one of the worst fucking bad guys ever. Yeah, uh, yeah. You want to he. His entire plot line ultimately becomes he is going to be in the past to kill a child. Whoa. He's going to kill baby Hitler. Oh, yeah. Well, except she's not baby Hitler, but still. Baby Hitler. Okay. Darkhawk. Darkhawk number one. Do you know anything about this character? Yeah, a little bit. I read it the very beginning of it, and uh, he has, like, some sort of amulet that he gets from outer space or something gives him the ability yeah. to tap it tap it or whatever and it senses evil or something like that and then he can build the armor around him or wrong yeah, well yes and no basically yeah he's he, kid finds this amulet that lets him become an armored superhero okay and this, this suit looks pretty badass and stuff it does well it 
ends up kind of turning into it's actually not that he gets wrapped up in the suit it's kind of like the old uh, Rick Jones Captain Marvel thing where when Captain Marvel would need to save the world he would switch you know he would uh, Rick Jones super, uh, superhero pal extraordinaire would tap his uh, gauntlet and he would actually swap places right like, I remember that. like yeah. the negative zone or wherever the hell he went and that's effectively kind of the same thing that happens with this kid is that he's basically swapping his place with an android. And this is a character who I think is one of those, a few of the victims of, he looks cool, but everything else about him is really fucking stupid. Yeah, uh, so many heroes like that. Like, oh, they, they came with the costume secondary instead of the hero first. Yeah, because I think they then tried to, uh, they went and said, oh, wait, these are, like, she are you know, soldiers and stuff like that. You know, they're, they, they've actually had stuff to do with like the Guardians of the Galaxy, not, you know, in a somewhat recent past. And, you know, it's like, he's got a new series out. If you, if you think he looks cool, try it out. I tried, I can't read it because I think Darkhawk kind of sucks. But damn it, the armor does look cool. Yeah. And there's also another character that has the uh, looks cool, yet I don't. People didn't really read. I'm actually surprised how many issues this thing ran for. That I don't think anyone really read was Sleepwalker. Uh, I read a few issues of that one where he became a superhero and he fell asleep. Right. Well, he yeah. The guy, this guy falls asleep and he lets this dream cop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He, he, Basically, it's like he's uh, being he's part of a collective, uh, this being that protects the collective mindscape of all living things. And basically, he's like Doctor Strange, but he's like a weird, he kind of looks like Ragman, actually, from uh, DC Comics. Yes, definitely. And I don't know how the hell this thing ran for 33 issues, because I genuinely can't see too many people really wanting to read it other than, oh, here's an issue okay that looks cool and maybe go two issues in and then stop yeah well my uncle was uh even as a teenager he was already starting his own business and he was buying up comics you know in the speculative market i remember he stuck to sleepwalker for about a, a year um so I, I i would go through his pile of new comics just to check them out i remember just not glomming onto that one very well yeah it's another one where it, it's this he's a dude he's got Lizard, he's like a lizard, green skin man, alien face, with a tattered coat. Or like I said, he looks cool. Was this and a he, Ditko? I can't remember. I know Speedball was a Ditko, but I can't remember I, speed, what Sleepwalker is. I don't think I'm he gonna, was. I'm going to look it up, because it feels like around that era, all of a sudden we had a Ditko revival. But go ahead, sorry. Yeah, but it's like, I, I will say this. He did get a slight revival uh, with the Infinity Wars series a couple of years back. And that was fine. You know, I, I did read that, but I also, it didn't, it, you know, make me want to uh, truly invest buying all the back issues I could either. And I don't really think he's on Marvel Unlimited except for the Infinity War stuff too, which is kind of a shame. Uh, Brett Blevins was the artist. That's going way back. Huh. But yeah, it's like basically he's a character I knew mainly because I saw him on com on like comic card art and stuff. 
But uh, the most powerful character in the Marvel Universe makes her debut in Marvel Superheroes number eight. It's Squirrel Girl. Huh. Still have now, I have no I've never read anything with Squirrel Girl except a very early appearances when she was with the Great Lakes Avengers, and I have no idea why she's so powerful. Well, she because she's not only she beat uh, Doctor Doom in her first appearance and is literally the I think the only person Doctor Doom's afraid of. Wow. Uh, she beat Thanos, but then again, everybody's beaten Thanos. Huh. Uh, Doesn't he now, just beat himself, honestly? Maybe, maybe. But uh, she did also talk uh, talk down Galactus. And that's the thing. Is I would say the, the newer run, the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, is definitely worth checking out. Okay. That's a, the, it's two volumes because like eight issues in they decided to uh have secret wars and reboot everything right after that of course so it's literally they, they even make a joke of it on the on the second number one issue cover it's like hey look two number one issues in the same year but yeah so basically yeah she was this punchline character you know she was teamed up with the Great Lakes Avengers, for God's sakes. So yeah, least, I, I mean, love those idiots. To, to call them level grade Z characters is being kind. Yes. Flat Man, Immortal Man. <laughs> so. Yeah, they, they no, they're they're fun. I've read I've read some books with them. They are entertaining, but yes, they are the truly the worst superheroes you could come up with that they just kind of use as punching bags. It's a little shame. It's a little bit of shame, but uh, you know this character bounced around a bit, uh, which show up here and there, and then finally in 2014 got herself her own series, and it like I said, that one's really good. So I think the last one we're gonna do is a six issue epic that was adapted into a movie. It is the Infinity Gauntlet. Never heard of it. Yeah, that was uh, the Avengers film Ray's Voltron. I, I literally just got done reading Infinity Gauntlet. I gotta tell you, I don't have the patience. Sometimes I get the big buildup around it, and, and then the big you can't have the big fight at the beginning, or it's just gonna drag out. But uh, especially as a kid, I couldn't wait till issue four. Issue four is one of the greatest battles in history, and after that, it kind of falls apart too. It really peaks right in the middle. Um, but that's why I mentioned the fact that he basically self-defeats himself. And it, it was kind of like a pattern of him. He, if he wants to be defeated, he'll be defeated. Yeah, and that's the thing is, we, we I brought this up on the previous shows where this is an event that was actually built quite a while. Yeah, they, especially they, in Silver Surfer is where the seeds were really planted and kept going for months on end. Yeah, and then you finally get to this point where, yeah, he's got the gaunt, you know the Infinity Gauntlet, he's got Mephisto, the you know the devil of the main devil of the marvel universe you know just kind of you know iagoing over his shoulder about uh you know how to please the you know lady death yeah and it's like uh, and what it's like 10 it 10 pages in is the snap you know it's like it happens very early on in this book and something that took an entire film to get to <laughs> <laughs> And that, yeah, it's a pretty, pretty fucked up storyline just because it's a guy wiping out half the universe to, you know, to get laid. Yep. Basically, and then, he, he, and he's so annoyed with her, her, uh, 
disconnect. She will not pay attention to him no matter what he does. And he keeps bouncing for, back and forth between I don't need your, you know, to please you, and then he absolutely desperately needs to. He's kind of bipolar. Oh well, he is very much a uh, one of our men's rights activists. <laughs> he is an incel. He is so. Yeah. Show me tits. Oh, how dare you? How dare you rebuke me? Oh, you're just a whore. Show me tits. Yeah, he's very much like that. Yeah, uh, and it does this. I think of all the infinite line stories, this is probably the best of them because then, you know, the the Infinity Stones get divided amongst other characters uh, for whatever reason. They, you know, oh yeah, let's give Drax this stone. Let's <laughs> give, so you know, you know, let's give this person that, and they go off and uh, ultimately. Was it uh, Infinity War, which is where they fight the goddess? Yeah, there was, was Infinity just... Crusade, I think, before war. Well, Infinity Crusade was like the storylines that involved all those characters. It was right, like, we had the big return Adam... of Warlock. Adam yeah, Warlock. Adam War... yeah, and then it's, yeah, you get, get Infinity War, and then there was, I think, one other one after that, and then Infinity Wars, which I think was... Which I think was a, an interesting idea where Gamora basically gets the stones together and folds reality into kind of like, remember Amalgam? Yes. They did that, but with Marvel characters. Right, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. So you had like uh, Captain America and Doctor Strange became a character and uh, what, uh, Wolverine, who was Laura Kinney at the time, and Scarlet Witch became a character and stuff like that in this version and that was fun but yeah uh, if you're gonna any of these infinity stories like infinity gauntlet is basically the one but you're right it does kind of peter out about halfway through and then it's just kind of well yeah okay well it's a total of six issues i guess it's not that bad because four is the big battle then five they take on the gods and since i didn't give a shit about the gods it didn't wasn't really that interesting and six we have all this stuff with Nebula at the end. Yeah, and there's the negotiations, and then they bring back the team to fight over the gauntlet again, but a smaller team. Yeah. yeah I don't know. I just thought the buildup was so great. And the fact that Silver Surfer has to wait out there the whole time, you know, trying to be patient. Warlock's like, you have to wait. You have to wait for this perfect moment. It's like my team is being slaughtered, my friends. Yeah. So, turning, I... turning Wolverine's uh, Admantium into Sponge. Never forget that. <laughs> or turning Nova into little Rubik's cubes and crushing them. Yeah, there's places they did some of that stuff in the film too, which was yeah. kind of nice. Well, Terax, the female Thanos or whatever her name was, Thraxia, and then just taking a stone and smashing Spider-Man's skull in. That was just brutal. <laughs> oh, putting the glass case around Cyclops's head and Captain America desperately trying to shatter it with a shield. Yeah, there's. There's a lot of shit that happens in that one. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one where, yeah, heroes die. And the whole issue is this battle. And didn't they say it only took a minute and 47 seconds for the whole thing to happen? It was amazing. It was all narrated by Star Fox, who is, uh, his mouth is sealed up so he can't charm you. And he's just narrating what's happening. Yeah, it, oh man. Such a good comic. Yeah. Yeah. All right, is that it for Marvel? That is it for Marvel. All right. So on my side, I have DC and independent stuff. I'll start off with the independent stuff. 
Uh, we do have the debut of Wizard Comics. It basically takes over for any other comic magazine at the time, which was kind of a mixed bag. Some was indie stuff, some was a more corporate like comic scene. But Wizard, you know, started off as a scrappy little thing. Gary Seamus, you know, started in his parents' basement, if I remember correctly, uh, and then just within a couple of years, just absolutely exploded. Got so big they started doing the comic cons, and then when the magazine stopped selling. That was it. It was just the Comic Cons. Are they even? Is it still Wizard? Or did they sell it to somebody? Uh, that's a good question. I think there's. I'm shit. I don't know. Yeah, that's a good question. Do you remember there was a time though when they could get their own exclusives like crazy, like their own half issues and and toys and shirts and nobody else. And then people were doing covers for them that you know hadn't done covers for a while, and they were just getting all the great exclusives. I would spend. Hours every time an issue would come, uh, come I would I would just sit in the in the living room on the couch just reading it for two or three hours. It was so great. Let's see, I'm looking them up right now. It looks like it was okay. I think their last they they basically ended as in 2011. I guess that is including the online stuff. Yeah. It's. It, I think they're just. They were the Comic Con for a while, but I think they sold it off. So it's now some other name. But yeah, they were just doing exclusive stuff that nobody else was doing. And I remember they started off with like 50 percent articles, and then price guide, and then the price guide kept getting get more condensed and condensed as prices were being. You know, look them up online. And extremely influential. They had their own toy line. I think it was called Toy Fair. Um, and I remember Garib. He lost a shitload of money starting some sports team. I can't remember what it was, like indoor something. Football, maybe? I can't remember. Arena football. But um, it just, I think people forget how Wizard Comics really altered the scene for a while because it was right in the middle of that whole speculative thing and they had this whole hot not chart and tell you who the hottest artists were, who the hottest writers were and which comics to look out for. Um, people would buy comics or save a series just based on Wizards' uh, suggestion. Like, Savage Dragon wasn't doing very well, and it got a big boom after, like, eight years. And then uh, Deadpool got saved for a couple years. It, it, I just miss the magazine so much. Yeah, it's like, I I know I read read it a little bit. I never, like, subscribed or anything, but it would be something I'd pick up every now and then. Oh, it was every single month. I think I read every single issue. And But, yeah, it was always – but they also had that uh, – Hey, let's go and uh, make a cast for yeah. well, the X Men movie, and you know, have Jean Claude Van Damme as Wolverine, as as as, oh, no, as Gambit. Oh, it was Gambit. Gambit. That makes much more sense. <laughs> uh, but you'd have like Bob Hoskins as Wolverine, and you had like uh, Patrick Stewart as. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, sometimes they got him right, or sometimes you know, like. I think Angela Bassett was up first for Storm and she turned it down, but I think I remember they cast her in their little fan imaginary thing. Yeah, it's like, I remember stuff like that. And and also, it was a price guide, so you kind of get an idea of, oh, hey, maybe I could sell a comic for X, you know. Yeah, yeah. Or do you remember thing. Twisted Toy Fair Theater? They started there, and then they went over to their own magazine, but that kind of led to um, Robot Chicken. Yeah, oh, very much so. Ah, I miss it. But that's it with Wizard Magazine. Um, let's see what else is independent. This is not This is a Transformers thing in Marvel that I asked you, just, but you forgot. Um, 
But Transformers is weird because at the time it was Marvel, but now it's like, I think IDW or I can't remember, it was Dreamwave for a while. But yeah, uh, the end run of Transformers is so fucking phenomenal. Um, they, they, tra- they traded out the whole uh, creative team and they decided, hey, uh, we don't have much life left in this for like the whole last year. It's this massive galactic inner, just uh, it's so huge in its storyline. And the artwork by Andrew Wildman is fantastic. And I think a lot of people by then just stopped reading it. And I picked up issue, I think, 78 out of 80. And I was blown away. And for years, it was so hard to find because it was a low print order. And then people later discovered how good it was. But if you get the chance to check out at least the last two graphic novels, uh, really, it's it's so, so amazing. I'd have to look them up because I know that... Uh... Comicsology did have for a good for a good while the uh, like they would have those reprints. Yeah, that you know like they were that they put together in trades. So right. Like, there's there's a middle chunk I don't care for, especially after the movie. Uh, so they, you know they killed off um, uh, Optimus Prime and so like that, and then they had like the Ghost Prime, and the artwork really really sucked. I don't. They didn't spend any money on the art, and then the writer just clearly running out of ideas because they have to base it solely on whatever toy line they were putting out. Same thing with GI Joe. And once the toy line came to an end, I think in '89, they had two or three years there where they could just do whatever, and they weren't tied to whatever the Hasbro had to push, so that it freed them up uh, story-wise. Well, that would make things a lot simpler, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Also, uh, the era of huge boobs is introduced into comics <laughs> with Lady Death. Massive, oh, massive, oh, unrealistic yeah. boobs. But that's what sold for a while was getting these. Un- remember better uh, Battle Chasers? In I do remember Battle Chasers. Yeah, just yeah. That, the first cover is like ninety percent boob. <laughs> I never yeah, read. That's... I never read any of this. Chaos Comics was not my thing. They were horror comics, uh, but they filled a niche. Uh, first off, Horny Boys. And two, horror comics, which nobody was doing at the time except for like Ghost Rider, and that was just about you know that was just kicking off. Well, and that's I've I've got a very cursory knowledge of Lady Death and stuff. Again, mostly because if you see a picture of this character, it's kind of what you would imagine when if you said a comic made for a horny thirteen-year-old. I mean, I think you'd almost exactly whatever's in your head is probably what you think lady death looks like yeah because well she kind of has that mystique look to her right right and, or and a little bit of elvira mixed in i guess yeah yeah and there was like purgatory as well which was just evil ernie yeah evil ernie uh God, there was they did the halloween comics for a little bit which really sold well yeah it's like they're i yeah it's like it's never one that i have i never really read i do have because uh, I got it from like a free comic book day. I do have like a Lady Death comic. Yeah, wasn't there an and, animated movie of this? I feel like there was. Yeah, someone yeah, like some anime company did one. I also don't think I've ever seen it. Yeah, but it's it's so there's two different wings of independent comics that are just breaking out. Is the the superhero stuff you know from uh, Image Comics, and there was the other little guys trying to fill niches that no one else was like sci-fi and horror. You know, and, and uh, Chaos really blew up for a while because they had really dynamic art. I will say this. Their artwork was great. I have no idea if the stories suck because, like I said, I never read them. Yeah, it's like the one, that one issue I can't really 
compare it to anything in it, but it's it was stuff. There were <laughs> pictures. There were pictures and there were words. Uh, we have Bone, I believe to be the greatest comic book epic in history. Uh, anybody can read it and be enraptured. It's the closest thing you're going to get to another Lord of the Rings. And Jeff Smith just creates such a wonderful, silly little comic that keeps changing like every 10 issues into something bigger and bigger and bigger. And did you ever read this? I'm a bad comics fan. I've never read the whole thing. Yeah, I a... have read I have read the first trade. Hey, hey, at least you did that. And they've been teasing for years that Netflix is going to do an animated series, but I have no idea what's going on with it. Well, it's like one thing I love about these comics is it kind of has that early Disney comics, Carl yeah, Barks aesthetic. But and a little bit of also... uh, whoever did Pogo. I can't remember who did Pogo. Yeah, and it's but it's also got this like yeah, as you said, you know, like a quote unquote modern day Lord of the Rings. It's you know this dark, you know, it's a dark story, but with these very you know kind of cutesy or halfway cutesy characters. Because you got some characters that are a little more—I don't want to say realistic, but uh, more on the realistic scale than the bones. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the giant bones, rat creatures. <laughs> yeah. It, like I said, from what I had read of it, it's—I've really liked. I want to get that omnibus, and I'm. Just, oh, prepare for carpal tunnel, because that's how I read it. My hands hurt so bad. <laughs> yeah, that's one of my problems with wanting to get it. Is that's a tome. Yeah. That is the stand plus, you know what, uh, not it, uh, like the stand plus carry put together. <laughs> it hurt. It was so heavy. <laughs> um, so we also have uh, Dark Horse uh, premiering with a big, massive, basically the first Star Wars thing post, you know, the movies. Uh, Dark Empire, which... Was in coordination with the Timothy Zahn books, right? Heir to the Empire. Am I wrong? Yeah, yeah. It was it was in coordination with it, although not the same storyline. But it was it's kind of like if I remember, right, it's more like an alternate alternate thing because it's the oh yeah, what if uh, Luke Skywalker fell? Yeah, fell to the dark side. Well, at the time though, was was it supposed to be like an Elseworlds kind of thing? I thought that was part of canon. Don't remember if it was supposed to be part of canon. Yeah. There was a time though when Star Wars was kind of a loose ship. No one was buying it. No one cared. And all of a sudden, the books and the comics come out, and it's it, it, it they do pretty damn well. And then the the video games for the uh, computer started coming out. You know, um, X Wing Squadron and stuff like that, and just keep building and building and building over the next six years. Yeah, there's. Oh, hold on one second. I'm gonna I'm gonna go and look up because there is an Elseworlds what it quote unquote what if uh, thing for those comics, and I gotta look that oh, up. Okay, but uh, yeah, the those uh, <clears throat> I never got into those Star Wars comics until like year like a God I want to say late '90s or early 2000s, kind of like the time where like they did Star Wars Tales and stuff like that, where oh, they were okay, just like yeah, yeah. one shot stories. Because then they had like a Garth Ennis, like Garth Ennis doing stories there. You had we had the Boba I, Fett miniseries or the one shots, I guess is what they were. I can't remember. Yeah, it's like, but yeah, Dark Horse did a lot of that stuff. Yeah, I mean that was their bread and butter for a long time. Yeah, they had a few independent stuff going, uh, like Grendel, um, and uh, I want to say what's the one with the Excalibur bat, baseball bat? What the hell is that one called? 
Oh, that I, I don't Mage. know. Mage. Uh, Mage and Nexus and stuff like that. They had that going for them, but it was never really big mainstream stuff. And then all of a sudden they licensed from Fox, Aliens, Predator, and uh, Star Wars, and that blows them up. And because the coordination with movie studios is when they start developing their own movies, which we'll talk about in 94 is when they really blow up uh, with Mask and Time Cop. And here we go. It's Infinities is the one I was thinking. Oh, okay, of, okay. Where they went and took moments from the from the three films, and they did like Star Wars, you know, New Hope, Infinities, and it would be like, oh, what if at this point, you know, something happened? Yeah. How would the rest of the trilogy play out? Or what if Luke in Empire Strikes Back? What if Luke died on Tatooine? You know, oh, not on Tatooine. I mean, on uh, on Hoth. You know, Leia becomes the next. You know becomes the next Jedi and yeah, yeah. so on and so forth. Um, sort of independent comics, sort of not. Um, DC started branching out into licensing with other companies. Like they would be the publisher for another company that would own the rights and run it, like Milestone. Um, I feel like Piranha Press was one of those as well, but they introduced Impact Comics. Uh, they were Red Circle Archie characters from the 60s that were kind of sort of not really like had like a cult falling kind of way charlton did uh just not as big and so they debuted i think six series most of them failed immediately and then they kind of kept a couple around and they tried to reboot them again they're dead in the water by two years but i've read most of them and i think they're all pretty damn entertaining and uh uh the fly the comet and uh black hood i think are the best of the of the mini series they did and uh, even shows up uh, as a couple characters in the new Archie, or uh, was it Riverdale? The Black Hood is a character in the, the Riverdale TV show. Hmm. I, I do seem to remember these. I don't remember how I got, I got because it was like the Shield and some of these other characters, right? Right, and the Web uh, was another one. There's, I feel like there's another one in there. But um, just didn't sell, but they had some really good art and some very back-to-basics kind of writing. I think what it was is supposed to clear... Uh, itself from the history. I mean, and Marvel already failed at this. When they they introduced New Universe back in '86 and it failed horribly, uh, and DC just same exact uh, amount of success. But I think these are better than the New Universe. I could imagine they. It wouldn't be very difficult to be better than New Universe. Yeah. Um, and I do believe Red Circle Comics did come back. I want to say about ten years ago. I think I remember. Uh, with a few mini series, but it's just, that, again, it didn't take off. Now, as as I recall, the designs on the characters just weren't really weren't that interesting. Yeah. Again, the shield is very much just I'm Captain America. Yeah. Oh, and and, and you know Nova, the comet, whatever. Yeah. There. You know what's funny is I just realized I just saw something about the Riverdale TV show that there's going to be a Riverdale metaverse where they start getting superpowers, and I bet you they're going to introduce those characters into the show. That could be a way to try and uh, drum up interest to bring them back. Yeah, well, plus that in the DC Universe on on uh, CW seems to be kind of petering out. Am I wrong? I haven't watched it in years. Yeah, uh, I feel like, well, The Flash, I think, only has one season left. The uh, something Legends of Tomorrow, I think, is ending uh back girls Supergirl ended. ended yeah Supergirl, yeah, Supergirl ended. ended yeah and green arrow's gone of course so all left is Lo- lois and clark or what is it called lois and superman and lois lane because everything else seems to be moving over to uh max hbo max so i'm wondering if cw's kind of 
cushioning the blow if they're going to lose all their superheroes. Yeah, it's like I don't know that. Uh, like I said, with those, with all that stuff, I I cut out. Yeah, shoot, what, what Titans is so fucking terrible. I can't believe people keep that on the air. It's so miserable. And then Swamp Thing doesn't get more than one season. We're off on a tangent here, but I'm annoyed how Swamp Thing didn't get a second season. I I still want to see Swamp Thing. I need That's to. So know, good. I guess, I guess I need to just buy the stupid DVDs because they're not going to put it on Max. I thought it was on Max. No. Shit. Unless they, unless they put it and I haven't seen it. Okay, I'll have to check. Um, so what else we have in DC? We have the first of the big DC crossovers with Dark Horse. Um, and this has kind of become a pattern where like these somewhat popular characters over in independent comics would share the cost of making the comic book and then they would split the, the sales. So it's a Batman versus Predator. Um, big, fun uh, series. I, I really enjoyed this one. Uh, then we had, like I think, three of those total and a couple Superman versus Aliens. And I think there's even a sat- Superman, Batman versus... Hey, versus Alien and Predator. Yeah. yeah. And there's there's Super- like two of those. Yeah, there's Batman versus Drudge Dread and a couple of those of Batman and, and Tarzan. <laughs> uh, I wonder if there's ever a Superman and Robocop. That would have been cool. I don't think there was, but there was like a Batman versus... The Mask, I think it was. Yeah, and I think there's a Batman in Ghost, I feel like. Because Ghost was popular for a while. Not not the movie Ghost. The yeah. <laughs> character. I, 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 well, it's like, I don't know that character, but I knew you were talking about the Demi Moore. Yeah. <laughs> but that Demi was Moore kind of movie. a big deal for a while when, when DC was much more open to doing crossovers. And I think Marvel started doing it later because I think they did a Green Lantern in Star Trek, maybe. Or Star Trek and X-Men? I don't know. It could be numerous yeah, ones. Yeah, there's Star Trek and X-Men. Yeah. And uh, uh, that kind of closed the doors a while ago. But that kind of led the way to Amalgam, which is going to be in like four or five years. Um, I think we have one of the greatest miniseries of all time is Robin 2, The Joker's Wild. I love it so much that I did a whole episode of it, of the old Comics on Infinite Earths uh, podcast. Um, Robin just i think just mere months after becoming you know gaining the mantle of robin is left uh, in gotham by himself while batman goes to japan i think to take care of business and uh, the joker breaks free and he's the only one available uh to stop him and you know the last robin was just killed by joker and i think chuck dixon and tom lyle did a, just an absolutely fantastic job creating this miniseries of him just being so scared but he has to do it well that was definitely a character that chuck dixon really knew what to do with yeah it is it is absolutely fucking terrible how chuck dixon is just a massive fucking asshole just a piece of shit because he was a great writer and now i just feel cringeworthy whenever i bring up who are some of your favorite comic book writers i'm like well chuck dixon well, <laughs> well it's how it's kind of how i feel about warren ellis you know warren ellis ended up apparently being an asshole but it's like i will still sit there and go yeah but i love trans metropolitan yeah I, no, I, no, I feel bad sometimes <laughs> but i can separate the artist and the art you know i just like mel gibson sucks but i will watch Mad max any day but yeah that i i'm trying to remember if i've actually i'm pretty sure i've read joker's wild but i don't I don't know if i have or not it's so it's, good um maybe it's on your comicsology thing but um what else we have? Oh, oh, the debut of Deathstroke. The beginning of the anti-hero era for major comics. Do you remember for like three or four years there, it seemed like every kind of on-the-edge character was given a series? Or um, they would extreme up some people, like Nomad. 
you know, stuff like that, just to make them darker. But uh, I think Deathstroke's one of the only series that was actually honest about it because we knew who he was. They weren't trying to darken him up. And the stories weren't bloodier or more violent. It was just taking stories from his point of view where he's taking these missions that sometimes he just did for the money, which kind of came his M.O. anyway. And I thought it was really well done. Marv Wolfman, I think, is an absolutely wonderful writer. Yeah, the, I I have read some of uh, some of that run, and I, I really do like the the Deathstroke stuff. When, as you said, yeah, it's basically not you know not not trying to be any more gritty than you would have already had with the character. Right, right. At that point, which would become a, a serious problem, I think, sometimes. And like, especially over at Marvel, they were like trying to be the tough, extreme, uh, you know, separation from DC Comics, which were always considered more old school. All right, so uh, debut of Man of Steel, not good. It is not good. The only reason I bring this up is because it begins of a horrible trend of too many series from Superman and Batman, and instead of being separate storylines, it's soon going to become oh, you have to buy every single fuck really like you have to buy every single issue of Superman, every single Batman every month in order to get the full storyline. Yeah, it would just be you have to you buy. Because what at that point you had Action Comics, it'd be Man of Steel, Superman, and what was the there was well? The it was just Superman and Action Comics for decades. You know, it was always Detective Comics and Batman. That was it. And then all of a sudden you have uh, Legends of the Dark Knight and Man of Steel, which was supposed to I think skew more mature. Where Legends was more um, historical, like anthology based. Uh, Man of Steel was just more mature stories. And then I think, what do you say, they introduced Man of... Uh, what was the other one? Just well, Superman? See, uh, yeah, there was... Yeah, you had Action Comics, you had Superman, Man of Steel, and there was a fourth. And I, God, can't, think I can't remember what the fourth one was. Eh. But, uh, yeah, it, that's when it just got out of control. That's the only reason I bring it up. I bought the first issue, I looked at it, and I said, nope, not for me. <laughs> Um, and the final thing is Armageddon 2000. How would you like to be the guy who put together a massive crossover story that's going to change everything and then the story leaks of who the villain is and you got to change it literally within a couple days <laughs> and then it doesn't really work? <sighs> Captain Adam was supposed to be the villain, the guy who's going to go into the future and change everything. And the, that leaked, so they changed it to Hawk from Hawk and Dove. No one gave a, a flying shit about became the major villain. Monarch! Yeah, it made no sense whatsoever for that to happen. Nope. So ridiculous. And we had Wave Rider, and I just remember it being a big deal, and I got the trade paperback of it, and it really is only two oversized issues. It wasn't like the way it was a Crisis or, or anything before that, where it was at least four to six issues. It was just two. Oh. And to answer your question about uh, the fourth comic, it was Adventures of Superman. Oh, Adventures of Superman. Yeah, right, because they got rid of Adventure Comics, I think, in the late 70s. Because that was more of a sci-fi anthology kind of thing. I can't remember. Yeah. Oh, no, no, no. That, that was Aquaman's, I think, uh, series. But yeah, uh, that's that's it for uh, my section. And I think that's the end of the episode. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll just throw out a I love one, one series that did run during this time in 91 which was legion 91 oh yeah i remember that one that was a, a series that 
was a spinoff of Legion of Superheroes, right? It was Future yeah. Cops or something like that. I can't remember. Yeah, Legion. It basically was just. It technically was only just called Legion, but as the series went, they would just be Legion. You know, eighty nine, Legion ninety, Legion ninety one. Just as a, a little subheading to it. Right, and this is this where we got introduced to Lobo? Yeah, Lobo became a main character in it. Yeah, and he's fun. And the series was was really dark. That's that's the one thing I, I really walked away from when I read it a couple of years ago. Yeah, was, that I think wow. they're, they're different companies and different storylines, but there's a pairing between Alien um, Legion. Is it Alien Legion? The Dark Horse series. I'm trying to remember Alien Legion and this, they go well Alien, together. It's yeah. like intergalactic uh, action comics. I think so. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so that is it. Check me out. Uh, out on the street, thumbing for a ride because I'm poor. No. <laughs> uh, hit rewind on Twitter and Facebook. And where can we check you out? I am on both Twitter and Twitch. M Y U Z I S H I O N. That spells moon. <laughs> Did you just watch the stand? No, it's been a while. So I just, I just, <laughs> okay. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>